You know, to go from the girl who wanted to box up and move on when I heard this was a tradition to know that, um, that God has given me something that I want to share from my heart today is quite a change. And so I hope that I'm always shocked that you came back, um, that, you know, when it's my day that you're still here. So thank you for that. Um, if you have your Bible today, I want you to open to Psalm 46. I hope you've noticed in the decorations and in the, for the brunch, um, the, the beautiful picture that Ms. Pat Hansen donated today um, on the communion table, the theme uh, everywhere on the mugs you received, and in the beauty of the music that the theme today is Be Still from Psalm 46. And in the chaos and the world that we live in, the two years that we have just walked through with COVID, we have to learn to be still and know that he is God. I want us to look today at Psalm 46. Um, in some Bibles, it's titled that God is our, our fortress at the top. You may see that. Uh, there are three stanzas throughout the passage, and they are listed, or they are um, letting us know that God is our refuge, God is our deliverer, and God is our peace. It is a song I found interesting to be sung by female voices, so the passage was fitting for Mother's Day today. And in a psalm that has so much about nations raging and mountains crumbling and the seas churning, we are reminded that we can lift our voice and that we can sing because he is good, even in our crisis. Would you look at the passage of scripture with me today? It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we, we bow our hearts before you today. And Lord, a step up, even just burden for the moms in the room today as I've had conversations of things they're dealing with. And God, we just surrender to you today. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and that you would just remind us today of who you are as we go into the next week, as we walk into the things that we face. That, and um, Lord, we just, we give you the thanks for that. Lord, I'm yours today and I'm your instrument. And I pray that you would use me as Lord, I communicate what you've laid on my heart today. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Um, what is happening in this passage? Scholars believe that this Psalm was written during a time when Jerusalem was under siege by Sennacherib's army. In a siege, the enemy would surround the walled city 
and began building um, siege ramps to scale the walls. And inside, they would run out of food and they would run out of water. And so they would wait. Jerusalem isn't built on a river. So all um, the food and water had to be brought into the city. And King Hezekiah had an underground aqueduct system that ran and piped water into the city, into some pools throughout the town. And he had seen ahead of time the problem, and he had worked to head that problem off. Sennacherib had no idea the secret, secret stream that flowed into the city. It would be easy for Israel to just abandon hope. Have you ever wanted to abandon hope? And the face of their enemies... The ruthless Assyrians surrounded them. These guys were savage. They had invented the impalement. They had invented the crucifixion. Um, it would be easy to throw our hands up and walk away. But we don't have the Assyrian army surrounding us today. But we have an enemy that throws oppressors at us, don't we? He brings fear and he brings doubt and he brings anxiety. The warfare we wage isn't against the Assyrians today, but against the enemy who comes after our families, who comes after our health, who comes after our children, who comes after our peace, and even our calling, and even our relationship with the Lord. The biblical definition of peace is calm and tranquility of soul, despite the external circumstances around us. There were two painters who were going to compete in a competition for some money, and whoever painted the best picture of peace would win. Uh, the first painter pictured a, uh, painted a picture of a lake. It was very calm, very beautiful, trees that were just beautiful and green. Um, the sun was glistening across the water in the painting, and there was a shepherd walking his sheep by the lake. It was just a beautiful picture, something you would pay lots for. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And the second image um, was not quite that way. Uh, it was a stormy situation where the, guy, the, the, uh, the sky was bold and black and dark. The boats were tossing on the water and the thunder was roaring. The trees were blowing. It was a picture of disaster. Um, and if you, I have not lived through a hurricane here the way many of you have, but I imagine it to be a picture of something of the sort. And in the middle on the edge of the photo was a little bird. And he was wedged in the rock with his mouth open, and he was singing. And when they made their decision about the winner, they said the second man won the award. And why? Because in the middle of the storm, he was peaceful. And that's what true peace is. It's not when we don't have a storm. It's when we have a storm and we can be at peace. So the second guy was the winner. Biblical peace is not when nothing is wrong that I am calm. We are calm when nothing is wrong, aren't we? We love those moments. Biblical peace is when there is a storm brewing around you like the little bird and you're still singing. You're still serving. You're still praying. You're still loving. Tony Evans said that you don't know you have biblical peace until things are just not so peaceful. Isn't that true? 
We don't know what is in us until the storm comes and it reveals a lot. Sometimes it's ugly, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's a little bit of both, but we see what's in there. Many stages of mothering and life are represented across the pews today. The mom who miscarried this year and can't seem to conceive. The young mom whose baby's whole world is ahead. You haven't had many troubles yet, but they will come. The young mom who has already received the diagnosis for their child that makes them wonder, how will they get them through life? Will they ever be able to live on their own? Will I ever empty nest? The single mom who does it all to themselves is here today, and she plays the role of mom and dad. The mom of the middle schooler, who you barely recognize their voice, their feet, their hands, um, their appetite, and even their little attitude has gotten a little big lately. You've grown from the woman they wanted to marry in preschool to the woman who is the most embarrassing person on the face of the earth. Have y'all worked that journey? (laughs) Um, You know, managing what is thrown at us with biblical peace is important for us to model and master. I heard an interesting thing this week when I was reading and researching, and research suggests that tween girls, not teen, but tween, so like eight to 12, not might develop depression, anxiety, anger, or greed, or selfishness, or overloads of stress, but research is suggesting that they will develop it. They've developed a spectrum to measure tween's emotions, And the scary thing is anxiety levels of tween girls now is higher, listen to this, higher than what would have put a girl age 8 to 12 in an in-treatment health facility in 1957. What have we done to our kids? What has the culture done to our children, 8 to 12? What a change our culture has created. But Dana Gresh um, said What is even more tragic is not that tween girls are dealing with this and they don't have mature faith and they're having to learn to walk it out, but with that Christian women haven't grown up in Christ enough to model how to even cope with stress and anxiety. It's even sadder, isn't it? We are the model for that. Then we have the high school mom experiencing the stress and worries of their child's peer pressure, future independence, driving. The mom who is navigating the stress and anxiety of a strained relationship with her adult child is here in the pews today. Or better yet, maybe navigating the one your child chose to marry. Maybe you're a mom of any age watching your child make life-altering choices, and it's just hard. Maybe you're a grandmother who is doing all of these things because the role of mom has been thrown back in your lap and now you're not getting to be grandmother, but you're now having to be mom again. Maybe life, anyone, male or female today, um, that you feels like you can't breathe and the anxiety is overwhelming today and uncertainty and fear of the future is swirling all around you like the little bird. Tony Evans said, the spiritual realm and our ability to function determines how we make out in the realm of the five senses. So in other words, our relationship with Jesus will determine how we cope in the flesh with depression and anxiety 
and disease and disconnection and how we even walk through death. The writer of Psalm 46 reminds us that because God is our refuge, we don't have to be afraid. Look back at verse one. It says, God is for us, a refuge, a help in straits he has been found. Straits are tight places in life. Um, when circumstances squeeze you, have you ever just felt squeezed? Like you just can't breathe. Um, maybe they threaten to destroy us. That's what a strait is. And it says the earthquakes and gives way. The one thing that we have that is supposed to be steady is moving and shaking. The mountains are sliding the ability, our stability is shaking and I begin to just feel like I can't take anymore what's happening, I'm terrified. The sea is roaring and we become engulfed in this ocean of uncertainty and what comes next. Have you ever walked that journey? If we look at the wording, it is not just that we have a refuge or that we have any refuge. Um, God is our refuge. Can you get your head around that this morning? It's not just a place to stay or a home to be in or a person that's my person that I can find strength and comfort in. When all that passes away, God is our refuge like the little bird. Daniel once said that we can choose either to fear my circumstances or we can trust my God. I would rather trust than fear, even though I don't always get it right, wouldn't you? Anxiety in us comes and it creates these ideas that don't even happen. Have you ever done that? You just dream of all the things that are going to happen. Anxiety creates all the things that don't happen. It even causes us to grieve losses that don't even occur. We are sad and grieving over things that may not, may not happen. We imagine a future, really, where God's love and God's grace is missing for us, and it's missing for our families. If we trust our God and we don't fear our circumstances, his mercies are new every, every morning. It's referenced in the passage today. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament where they were um, told to pick up enough just for today? Don't pick up any for tomorrow. Pick up enough just for today. Um, they weren't allowed to pick up for the future. I believe that is true. When we wrestle with anxiety, when we wrestle with fear and worry over our circumstances, we pick up God's word, we pick up his truth, and we remind ourselves of who he is. We don't pick it up for tomorrow. We pick it up just for today. The next day, I'm going to pick up some more. And the next day, I'm going to pick up some more. And his mercies will be new every single morning when I get up and then I need them. Psalm 1-3 says, thank the Lord. Psalm 1-3 says, the one who lives according to God's word will be like a tree planted by the river. Of water In 1 John 7, 37 to 38, Jesus promises that those who believe in him would find rivers of living water flowing from the city, from, I'm sorry, flowing from their innermost being. We don't have to imagine the worst. Hide under the covers and not come out because we can't imagine what we're going to face. 
the river of God, the Holy Spirit is just rushing through us as believers today. He will sustain us. He will keep us. God is within her, it says, and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. His mercies are new every single morning. If you started out this morning with anxiety and fear and worry, his mercies are here for you today. They are new and they are fresh and he is pouring them out. If you're here today and you're in a constant state of anxiety, maybe the Lord just wants you to take your hands off and just stop a minute. Maybe you've quit depending on him or maybe you have forgotten who your God is. Maybe you've gotten your eyes off of it. Remember when he quit looking at Jesus is when he sank. When maybe you got your eyes off of Jesus and onto your circumstances and you feel like you're sinking. Lift your eyes today and remember who it is that we're serving. Tony, Jesus, Tony Evans said, peace should be our normal ruling operations. Let me say that again. Peace should be our normal ruling operations. If it's not your norm, maybe you forgot who your peace is. Jesus said, my peace I will give you. My peace, his peace. Why can I be stable when chaos ensues around us? Because he is the giver of our peace. Philippians 4 calls it peace that passes all understanding. I don't understand it because of the situation I'm in, I shouldn't have any peace. I shouldn't be calm in this chaos, but we are. I shouldn't be able to serve when we feel as if you have nothing to give, but you can because God is the giver of our peace. God's peace is from internal to external. It's not about what's going on around us. The little bird had peace on the inside because the outside wasn't peaceful. His peace is internal no matter what is external. He, he left us his peace to be found in him. If you've searched for your peace in, in entertainment or vacations or alcohol or pills or men or women, it's not where it's found. It's found in Jesus today. And let the peace of God rule in your heart today. In Jeremiah 2.13, the prophet says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Are you a mom who's wandered from Jesus today and you're struggling to keep your head above water with your children Maybe you've been pouring into broken cisterns and it's all running out. I remember as a child, my mom, I would walk by her room with the door closed. And I remember, I told, I've told this class in my Bible study many times, but I would hear her praying and just crying out to God for help. And, you know, in the moment I was a kid, I would just keep walking. You know, we didn't think our kids don't notice, don't we? But as an adult, it has become my go-to when something happens, when something strikes, I hear my mom and I'm reminded of what she modeled for me. So if you're a mother here today and you have drifted from Jesus, you've got to be modeling it for your girls, for your, for your boys to be able to know where to run when trouble hits and comes into your home. If I ever think that my resources can pay for it, I'm in trouble. If I ever think that my strength can fix it, I'm in trouble. 
And if I ever think that my wisdom can fix it, I know I am in trouble. But he is going to show me that all of those things are empty cisterns, broken cisterns, and that only he can be our supplier today. How do we be still, since that's our phrase? Look at verses 8 to 11. Let's go back. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth, and he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire, and he says, be still and know that I am God. We're going to look at how do we be still. I love some stories that I have for you. Hezekiah taught us how to prepare for battle in this passage. When Sennacherib sent a threatening letter to him, to King Hezekiah, he warned that no God would be able to deliver Jerusalem from his hand. So Hezekiah took the letter and he laid it in the temple before the Lord and he walked out. It was all he needed to do. That night, an angel from God went through the Assyrian camp and he wiped out 175,000 Assyrian soldiers and they lay dead on the ground. Hezekiah taught us how to fight a battle. When we wake up with heaviness on our chest, when we get the call from the doctor, that is terrifying. When we get the call from the school, that is terrifying. Take it to the Lord and pray and leave it there. I have a friend who um, months ago gave me this little notebook as a gift. And um, she wrote a prayer on the inside and she wrote a scripture and she told me what to do with it. And I did. And I flipped to, um, I flipped open. I listed my needs for the season that I was in. And I listed some scripture. Second Corinthians 4, do not lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Psalm 3 and 3, the Lord is my shield. Psalm 27, 3, I will be confident. Psalm 27, 13, I will remain confident and I will see the goodness of the Lord. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. And on and on and on, I just wrote scriptures that meant something to me so I could claim them. And I did like Hezekiah, I have a chair in my living room that I sit and read and I pray. And every morning when I got up, I flipped open to this notebook. I read through my scriptures. I reminded the Lord of the things that I had written down and I just laid them and I walked out. I got kids to feed and I've got things to do and a husband to take care of and life to live. And I felt like he said, Hezekiah, this is yours and I've got stuff to do. And it was my strength in my journey. Um, as you read through the Psalm, you see that God is so obvious here. Mother's Day, Mother's Today, we have storms, don't we? We have troubles. We have trials that come. There are horrible life events and calamities and all the things that have been mis mentioned all through the passage this morning. But we see in the Psalms, we see that God is at the center of all of it. He is present. He is not absent. He is not distant. He isn't missing from what you're walking through today. We've heard it in the music. We've heard it everywhere. It's a reminder that he is in the middle of our, our storm today. He's with us. We see the phrase, be still and know that I am God. 
everywhere, don't you? I've seen it on t-shirts. I've seen it on, um, oh, everything. We've seen it all over today. I have it on the handkerchief that Miss Luana gave me, and I would hold my book here and hold my handkerchief and pray, um, and I've held it close. I've seen it on socks. We've heard it in music. We've seen it on keychains. It's just, it's kind of a cliche phrase for all of us, but when we stop and we learn what it really means, it's more than something we put on a keychain. It's something we hold in our heart. Be still and know that I am God. It sounds as if it is telling us to be quiet, doesn't it? Just sit down and be quiet. But that's not really it. He speaks to it, this to us because our hearts resist believing in his goodness. We don't want to believe he's good when we're going through trial. Or the enemy tries to whisper at us that he is not. We get spiritual amnesia and we forget what he has done for us and we get frantic and we get forgetful and we get in a tizzy. That's why I asked Chad to learn and sing that song today that we begin with. Um, it said, I'm calling on the God of Jacob. Do you remember the story of Jacob? The God of Moses, the God of Mary, the God of David and said, you heard your children then and you will hear your children now. You healed your children then and you healed your children now. You set the captive free then. I spoke to someone this morning who was worried about their child and, and drug use and he set the captive free then. He'll set the captive free now is what we were singing this morning. He provided then and he will provide now if you're in lack. He isn't telling us to be still and to sit down, but the Hebrew free phrase means to let your hands fall. Like the kid who has her most weeks, our shoelaces on those little white kids that Faith Academy makes us wear. And the nice, the, I don't even understand how somebody's laces can get in such a mess. And we have to do that as we're walking out the door. He says, stop, stop just tangling it up some more. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Stop trying to do it. Just let it go and let me fix it. I can, I can untangle the laces, but you can't untangle the laces. You're making it worse. And that's what the Lord just whispers to our heart when we are in crisis. During months of hard trial, I began each day with this notebook. I began each day with a coffee mug. It says, impossible is God's starting point. And, and an open Bible decorated by my friend Faith. And the back says, I will help you, I will uphold you, and I will strengthen you. And every day, I started right there. And that's where you go when you get up. I hope this coffee mug that you received this morning will be your reminder to start every day with a full tank. Not caffeination, but with inspiration from the Lord to get up and to do what you've got to do and to trust him with the process and to trust him that you're in the palm of his hand and he's got you and he's not going to leave you and that he's not going to forsake you. I reached out, Chad, would your team come? I'd reached out to a, free, a few friends that are scattered in the pews here this morning who've walked through some trials and I want to read to you some of their testimonies. The testimony of a mom expressing what be still means to her when her children were away from the Lord. We did a Bible study by Beth Moore years ago, and the words that have stayed in my heart were but God. It's hard to be still when our children are going in the wrong direction and we can't fix it. Excuse me. Our hearts are breaking and God doesn't seem to be doing anything. He doesn't seem to be listening, but when we finally realize that God 
even when we can't see anything happening, loves and cares for our loved ones more than we ever could, then we realize that even when there seems to be no solution, we finally see but God. We can let our hearts be still and know that he is God. A mom who buried her daughter, her adult daughter. When I think of be still, I think of when I was a mother and my children were striving and fighting and misbehaving in any way. I would always make them come and sit in my lap and say, be still, relax. I want to communicate with you. I want to talk to you. And after communication, we prayed, we asked for forgiveness, we received our punishment. And that's exactly what the father does for us, doesn't he? He calls us to his lap and he lets us talk to him and tell him what's going wrong. She said, after losing Janae, my times when I thought I could not bear it, I would stop and fall into my father's arms and his Holy Spirit would cover me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And not only would it give me comfort and peace, but I could find joy. Can you imagine finding joy when you buried your child? Only in Jesus. The most precious times in my life are the times that I was in the Father's care, being still and knowing that he was God. A mom who just walked through cancer in our building today. Be still and know that I am God. Made me stop and be thankful. It reminded me of all the blessings I have received all my life and the truth that he was going to go through my cancer journey with me. It reminds me to praise him in the storm and even when it's over, praise him. To be still is to be quiet and listen on your knees, praying and letting him speak to you. A young mom who just walked through divorce. Be still means submitting to God's will even when your life seems to be falling apart. You have to trust that God has a plan and you don't have all the answers, but just knowing that he works things for our good, be still and know that we serve a risen savior. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And finally, a sweet widow who lost a child and then her husband. And I forgot to print it. <laughs> Sorry. Finally, one more Life can change in a matter of minutes. The sky becomes absolutely black and the wind seems to howl and fear sets in. That is what I felt when my husband died within one month of a cancer diagnosis at age 48. I had three boys and my youngest was 13 years old. Can you imagine the storm? You think, how could this happen to such a happy family that loves God? How could God ever get glory through an awful situation? What will I do? And during this time of heartache, I discovered what this verse meant. Be still and know that I am God. The verse began to speak to me. Little did I know that God was going to reveal himself to me in ways I've never known. God said, be still, stop striving and let go for I have this. Rest in me alone and learn to trust in me. I had to choose to surrender and lay everything down. I could not ask why anymore. Don't we love to ask why? But I love what she said. I had to shift my focus to who? Who is it? It's Jesus. When you're still in his presence, God begins to show you who he is. The word of God became alive and powerful as I searched, desiring to know why God in an intimate way. I discovered my pain was the way God would use in my life to bring his purpose 
and transformation and conforming me to the likeness of Jesus. He's going to make us like him no matter what we go through. I began to obtain this intimacy and fellowship and worship with God. Listen to this verse. Job 42, 5, she said, I have heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. So if you were to ask me, was the pain worth it? I would say yes, and that I would not rewrite my story. A moment of pain, but a journey of knowing God and seeing his great grace and his goodness develop before my eyes in the life of my boys as I saw them grow in the knowledge of Jesus, bearing fruit and walking worthy of the Lord. Listen to the verse she quoted again. I have heard you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes have seen you. Some of us today, you've heard of the, your parents share about the God. You've heard and seen your parents walk out the faith, but God wants to be your God. He may take you through a journey or allow a journey to come into your life, but you know what? At the end of it, he becomes your God, not your mama's God, not your grandmother's God, but your God. What a sweet, sweet thing that is. Finally, what do we know? You can stand with me this morning. Have you developed spiritual amnesia and forgotten that he has not changed and you can stand on his faithfulness? All through this passage, we see the names of God, Elohim, mighty, strong, the creator, the preserver. We're going to see waves and storms, but five times in this short passage, we see him referred to as greater than all of the things that are listed in the passage. We see him referred to as the most high God. We see him referred to as the God who makes himself known to his people. He's personal. Then we see him in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is like a military title. You know, he is the commander of the angelic armies and the armies on our side. There are a million hosts against your family. There are a million hosts against your children. There are a million hosts against your house, but the God of angel armies is fighting for you today. No matter what you're dealing with, he's fighting for you. You can't see him. Yeah, I think of the song, even when we don't see it, he's working. He's fighting. He's fighting for you. If God is for us, who can be against us? The God of Jacob, Jacob was going to manipulate his way through the problem. And some of you are doing that today. But like Jacob, God can bring you to a place where you can throw your hands down and you can lift them up to him and say, it's yours, Lord. It's yours. I can't fix this, but you can fix this. You can show me the way. He is my refuge like the little bird in the picture. And he is my deliverer. And he is our peace today. Be still and know that I am God. If you're here today and you need to come back to Jesus and you see it now that there's a storm brewing and you feel like you're doing it without him, the altar is open for you today. 
If you need to be reminded of who he is and that he is still present in your circumstances, the altar is open for you today. If anxiety and worry and stress has consumed your world and it's all you seem to be breathing and living, then he is here for you today. When you're saying what next and where is God, he's here. He's here for you and he wants you to be still and let him remind you that he's the Lord of hosts and he is on your side. I'm going to give you, Chad and his team are going to... um, Sing the song again for us as we worship. And I want you to remind yourself in the Lord today who he is and who is caring for us and who is fighting our battles. And we have him as our warrior and our king and that we are not alone. It may be Mother's Day, but it's okay if you cry your makeup off. Um, It's no greater gift that you could give to your children.